Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the deal, Panther fans? Welcome back to another week on the streets where we check in the beat. It's the C3 Panthers beat check where we preview the upcoming game with a beat writer from the opposing team. This week, Carolina is hosting the Washington football team. It is a writer's dream of the storylines that are facing or converging in the return of Cam Newton, the return of Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, the gunslinger, and Sunday warrior Taylor Heineke coming back, where even he said in Charlotte, Cam Newton is like a god. We're going to try to break down the latest storylines, both from the Washington football team and the Carolina Panthers. And this week, Cody, we got a great guest, Matthew Paris from the Washington Times, Washington football team, beat reporter. And uh, he's they don't have the coolest football name, but these guys uh, are working hard out there. Cody, good to be back with you, my man. Yeah, man, happy to be back here with you on the C3 Beat Check where we check the beat and see what's going on with these uh, Carolina Panthers and who they're going to be playing this week. We have a tremendous guest tonight, Matthew Paris. Matthew, thank you for joining us, brother. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thank you so much. Happy to have you. Yeah, man. Uh, big actually is this is that uh, as someone who has to um, try to generate creative stories, I mean, you don't generate your creative stories. You're following the news, obviously, but it's nice when stories exist. And there really is. This football is like the greatest soap opera. Does it? But at times it feels like a grind to like it's Tuesday. I got to put this story up Tuesday. I got to find some way to make Ron Rivera's platitude of 20,000 snaps before you become a pro or whatever and make that a real story. This week's got to be easy, though. Yeah. Ron Rivera coming home, or home, I call it home, to Bank of America, coming off a big game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are you writing about this week, and what are the top storylines for the Washington football team? Yeah, you know, I – Zagged a little bit today is I actually looked at uh, Carolina a bit today with kind of comparing their two rebuilds and how this like Washington and Carolina have really taken a different approach at, at quarterback just in the two years since taking over, starting that rebuild. And then uh, tomorrow I have something coming on uh, Cam Newton and Ron Rivera's relationship and how that kind of uh, shaped uh, Rivera's image of what a franchise quarterback should be. So I'm looking forward to that. But Ooh. What is the answer to nice. that? Well, I'm going to uh, tease it. Give so us a tease. Yeah. Give us a tease. What's the answer of shaping? Because I think this is Ron Rivera needs to go up and give Cam Newton a big hug and kiss for making his career. That's what I would say. Right. And it, it just that, that poise of, you know, what a, like, you know, Cam's confidence, his demeanor kind of, the way he, he carries himself, that's what Ron Rivera is looking for. Because it was interesting. He told me that, um, you know, he never really thought he would start a rookie. And, and Cam came in there, and, you know, that wasn't necessarily the plan to start him from week one. But he, he just came away and, uh, you know, blew away the competition. Obviously, Jimmy Clausen is 
<laughs> it was the backup. Oh, God. So far in the rear view. <laughs> Cody, does that sound, that doesn't surprise us the least bit that Ron Rivera had some hesitancy to start a rookie. Oh, he has the greatest. This dude had a rookie. He had a car with, he had a great, like a Ferrari in the garage with zero miles on it. He was scared to put a mile on it because he might ding it. Yeah, we famously talked before about how injuries to Ron's preferred starters basically forced him into playing the younger, more capable guys like Andrew Norwell once upon a time. But I wanted to kind of continue along the same line of questioning, uh, and it pertains to Cam Newton. A lot of the rumors were uh, at one point in time that Cam might potentially go and rejoin Coach Rivera with the Washington football team. I want to ask you, was there any credibility to that movement? Do you think Cam Newton was ever in the game plans for the Washington football team? Or were they genuinely comfortable with what they had in Taylor Heineke? Yeah, you know, I think Newton was interested in Rivera. I don't know if you guys remember that uh, that clip of, I think it was the Uninterrupted Show or Chad Ochocinco's podcast where, you know, Brendan Marshall asked him and Newton got pretty excited. But Washington, you know, they had their chances to sign Newton. It wasn't just this year. It was, you know, dating back to last year. There were really four opportunities that Ron Rivera had, and, and he kind of just passed them by each time. And, um, you know, it was – that was interesting to see because if you look at the way Rivera has built this team, he's brought in a lot of Carolina guys. There's over 30 when you combine coaches, executives, and players – you know, who will come to Charlotte this Sunday. And so, you know, it just, he wasn't necessarily interested in Newton. I think health had a lot to do with it. I think he saw the way the last two years went with Newton's foot injuries and his shoulders. And, you know, that, that ultimately cost Rivera his job there. And so I just think he was a little hesitant to go down that route again. He wanted to go younger, um, obviously brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's older this year, but uh, you know, they're still searching for a long-term answer at the position, and I don't think he was eager to try with uh, Newton again. Ron Rivera's had to go through it, like, in different ways. Is that uh, when he started his career here in Carolina, um, there was a, the excitement around Cam Newton, but in year two, they struggled a bit. Uh, Ron Rivera was in the on the hot seat. He always had a strong November and December early in his career. He, though, also struggled, like you said, through Cam Newton's injuries in the final two seasons and then recently struggled or challenged or battled cancer, right? So he's been through some tough times, and the best thing about Ron Rivera is he doesn't get shook by this adversity, right? But do you think – how much do you think this game means to Ron Rivera? Because I think part of there it might be – I won't say bitterness from him to Carolina, but like you said, is that Cam Newton not being available in those final two years ultimately cost him his job. Yeah. Right? Um, What do you think that there is that this game is meaningful to Ron Rivera to win coming back to Carolina? Yeah, I I do think it's meaningful for sure. I don't know if I would use the word bitterness. We asked Rivera that today, and he said he wasn't bitter, but – even if, you know, coach is supposed to say that, but even if you look at the way that Carolina handled his firing, sure, it was near the end of a season, but they gave him a, a press conference the next day. They let him have his moment of, you know, kind of owning his tenure. And the, the I'm sure the celebration on Sunday will be really loud if the fans cheer for him. But even last year, you know, he, he pointed out that when the Panthers played in Washington, guys were wearing very strong shirts, supporting him with cancer. So, you know, I don't think he has anything but good memories in Charlotte. It's just, yeah, he would certainly like to win, especially going to last year. They lost when they had a chance to, to clinch the division. So, uh, yeah, this, this would mean a lot to him if they were able to win. How do you think his time in Carolina shaped his perspective when it comes to the Washington football team's rebuild? Yeah. Uh, because you mentioned not in, you know that ultimately he made the decision not to go with Cam. Um, and he has, it looks like, has made a concerted effort to get younger and has mentioned how he let the roster get old in Carolina. How do you think his tenure in Carolina is shaping the way he's approaching the Washington football team? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much uh, like kind of a beat for beat so far of just having success early on. I don't remember if 
Carolina didn't make the playoffs in year one, right? With no, no. Yeah, we actually weren't like st- we started out like it was a Cam threw for four hundred yards in his first game. We lost a bunch of close games. We didn't win a lot. I think we went four. We won four that year, but it felt real good. You know what I'm saying? Like you were competitive that whole year. Year two was a little difficult. Our defense was not strong. There were some real missing pieces. Now, look, we were ready to fire everybody at that point. And one of those guys is Sean McDermott, who has been killing it with the Buffalo Bills. But it really is about that kind of back end after the Super Bowl was um, difficult for this team. Uh, 2016, 2017, and some of it's a little bit of both. Do you think Ron Rivera is learning from that in his kind of roster construction? What are you seeing? What? How is he approaching this rebuild, I guess we should say? Yeah, you know, it is going he – he's got a lot of young pieces, uh, really gone young defensively, trusting his guys that they drafted from the previous regime, bringing in Chase Young, who's now out for the year with an ACL. But, you know, he's really trying to build the foundation. I think it's – Kind of, an, he's doing a little bit of the opposite approach, right? In Carolina, he had the quarterback first, but now he's trying to get the pieces first and then find the quarterback. So sure. from that aspect, it's different. But from a lot of other aspects, it's very similar. And just you know, trying to grow year over year. Um, you know, he's brought all his little sayings to Washington and written about him a lot. But you know, he he really believes in these. Do you have a favorite yet? Do you got a favorite yet? Um, or one that you loathe. I'll tell you the one that Carolina Panther fans hated. Sure. And um, I tell missed you, it's missed opportunities, dude. No. Everybody missed opportunities. But it actually kind of, Ron Rivera just says these coaching platitudes, but they're actually true, right? Yeah. He'll say this one all the time. Every game comes down to two or three plays. Yeah. Two or three plays. And like, oh, yeah. and you know what? It kind of is true. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was. We used that after the Saints lost, so they gave up that Hail Mary. But, um, yeah, I like don't draw me a map unless you've been there. I used that with Jack Del Rio. And it was right. a little anecdote about how, you know, he did he regretted not hiring a defensive coordinator with the experience and blah, blah, blah. But, well, that is the dang truth. That actually might have been his biggest. Uh, and Cody, I want you to go ahead, but think about this as you guys are shaping your future questions. Is Ron Rivera loyal to a fault would be something I would ask. That's what I would ask everybody. You're up, Cody. Now, my question for you, Matthew, is pertaining to Washington's offense and specifically in what they intend to do against this Carolina defense, which has been one of the strong suits of our team. You know, Shaq Thompson is playing well. Hassan Reddick has been a treasure for us. You know, having Stephon Gilmore on our team and Dante Jackson playing well, we have a very fast defense. Do you trust Washington's protection to be able to keep Taylor Heineke clean long enough to distribute the football? Or do you foresee them, you know, maybe trying to get the ball out of his hands quick? What do you think is going to be the game plan? for going up against this surging Carolina defense. Yeah, I think part of it, it's just going to be a balance. You know, you look at the way that they beat Tampa last week, and that was was a a balance of a lot of things. It was getting the ball out quick, hitting Terry McLaurin on slants, getting J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson involved, sticking with the run game, even though Tampa Bay had a, you know, has a great run defense. Washington was able to run the ball in terms of just extending short yardage uh, plays and you know converting drives and so you know trying to carry over those elements I, I think they're going to try to do that again because if you look at their offensive line their offensive line is actually pretty good you know Brandon Sheriff is healthy now Sam Cosme should be back this week Charles Leno their left tackle who they brought in has been really solid on the left side same with Eric Flowers and so you know this is a, a position that I had a question mark around at the beginning of the year but they've done fine it's you know, Heineke has taken some sacks lately, but if you kind of look at the plays, it's he's holding on the ball very long. I think that's kind of the weakness of Heineke is he doesn't get it fast enough. And so, um, yeah, but their offensive line in general has been pretty solid. Hmm. I also wanted to do a flip side of that. On the other side of the football, you know, obviously most of the attention has been on Cam Newton, and rightfully so. But the biggest weapon on our offense that we have and the player whom our offense seemingly runs through the most 
is Christian McCaffrey. And now he's back and he's playing his best football. Did you have any answer on that football team for Christian McCaffrey, especially if they try and put him one-on-one on a linebacker? Are they Is Washington's team able to stop the run? And if so, what are they going to do against Christian McCaffrey this Sunday? Yeah. It, they've been really good at stopping the run in general. I mean, Washington's defense has been a mess this year, but they've actually been pretty stout in the run games. But teams haven't really needed to run the ball against Washington because they've been that bad in, in pass coverage. So, But it'll be interesting. I mean, their linebackers, that's the weakness of this defense. I mean, they brought in Jamin Davis with their first-round pick. He's been playing better lately, to his credit, but he was a, a mess to start the year. Cole Holcomb has shown flashes here and there. Um, and then... What's interesting about Washington is that they're using Landon Collins as kind of a safety linebacker hybrid where he's playing like pretty much just to the line of scrimmage all the time. And he'll do some safety looks every once in a while. But, you know, they, they like to send him off the edge as a free rusher, kind of keep things in, in the front. So, um, yeah, it's been really interesting to see how they used him. But I, if Carolina does win, it's – I do think, you know, McCaffrey has success in the middle of the field, letting up those deep shots um, to DJ Moore and and that sort of thing, because Washington can be burned a a bit over the top. Let's stick with the defense for a moment. Is uh, Ron Rivera a defensive coach, right? I mean, is that he, you look at the way they backdoored into the playoffs last year, it's not with offensive productivity. But with grinding games down and the run attack, you know, I mean, that he wants to play these games. We always used to joke that Ron Rivera's like perfect game is a 15 to 12 game, you know, where you, I mean, your defense hits them hard, you play, it's just the boringest, longest game, or actually shortest game because everybody's just running the ball. But Ron Rivera is known for a defense. And look, you're though, you look at your roster before you go into the season, and it looks like this defense is stacked and ready to get it done. And then it was lackluster for the first three, four games. It's picked it up a little bit in the past three games, but injuries have beset Chase Young, Montez Sweat. Why is this defense not better? And how are they getting better with these injuries that they're facing? Which they are. It seems like they're actually getting better now. But why aren't they why weren't they better from the beginning? They were just really a mess in the secondary and the 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 defensive line was slow to start the year, so they weren't creating that normal pressure that was helping the secondary cover last year. But besides that, I mean, you look at the spots. William Jackson is signing the offseason in place of Ronald Darby. Thought it was going to be an upgrade, but it's kind of the opposite of what happened with Josh Norman when he signed in Washington. He was a zone corner trying to fit into a man scheme, and that didn't really work. And now it's for Jackson. It's the opposite. He's a man corner in a a zone-heavy scheme, and that's been an awkward transition. Um, The safeties they brought in, or the safety, I guess, Bobby McCain, he was a bit of a mess in the middle. But I think the reason why they're starting to play better is because those guys are starting to find more of their element, and especially McCain, he had an interception last week uh, against Tampa. But as long as they can start covering the middle of the field, that's kind of where things are going because – you know, Washington has given up a lot of big plays. Even back going back to last season, they gave up a lot of 50-yard-plus plays as good as they were. So, you know, you can, like, exploit Washington's secondary at times, and they've had communication breakdowns and that sort of thing. Tell us about this Ryan Vermillion story. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I feel like we need uh, to access to the case files. I want to know more. Tell us what's going on with Ryan Vermillion, the feds, and uh, drug bottles with no labels on them. That's all I know. Yeah, no, it was a, um, it's an open DEA investigation. So I guess we should first say that he hasn't been arrested for anything. Uh, He hasn't been charged with a crime, but they are looking into him, whether he was either handing out pills without prescriptions or selling or whatever the case is, but it's, it's something involving with that. Um, but yeah, he hasn't been around the team. It was it was interesting from a from Washington standpoint. It was really, you know, Rivera came here and had to deal with all this uh, shit immediately, basically, of Dan Snyder, the, the sexual harassment stuff, getting canceled. Yeah, and even the name. 
Even yeah. the team name, he's involved in that. I got that was my next question. Keep yeah. going. But you know, you could look at all that and say, all right, previous regime, I'm here to clean it up. Well, the guy he brought, Ryan Vermillion, was one of his first hires. And so this He's been with him the whole time. He asked is if we asked if somebody in the chat room said this is what are the Ron Rivera sayings you get tired of or you've oh, heard. And that is ask Ryan Vermillion about the injuries. Like he always just said that. He's been RV. with him the whole time. I mean, yeah, ask RV. I mean, he's been with him the whole time. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's really like how is Rivera going to handle that? And, you know, they really haven't addressed it. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind in the building. But, you know, they've – elevated an assistant trainer to be their lead guy on an interim basis. They brought back former interns, but hell Washington has had kind of a lot of injuries this year. And who knows if missing your lead trainer helps with, or, you know, hurts guys in their rehab process, but no RV mismanaged every injury in the whole <laughs> world, I think, but it, it is interesting. It's just a crazy, it, it's funny how, what storylines get legs. Yeah. Um, and there is supposedly because I thought this is like, man, this seems like this could be the biggest blockbuster story that we're going to find out something later on down the road and never got any traction. And then yeah. I, I saw one person I was go- reading about this and they're like, and I mean, I was, I was Googling tweets about it, everything. And they're like, oh, this has happened to other teams before. And I was like, I don't remember yeah. the feds. Bro. Like, when did that happen? I've been following yeah. football pretty closely. So I am interested in following this. Am I? My final question about Rivera specifically, I almost feel sorry for him. Uh, they may, He has been the whipping boy. Uh, they've trotted him out in front of the press. He might be the best person to do this. Is Look, we had the Justin, uh, was it Justin Hardy? No. Who was it? Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy. We had Greg Hardy here when, when um, Ray Rice and all the domestic. Now, that was the focus. By the way, uh, did you guys know that um, who's the running back for the Vikings, Cody? Uh, uh, Dalvin. Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, something is that now he's got this domestic thing going on, like uh, Bobby Brown type beating or something like that, right? And but how about this? Is that eight years ago, Greg Hardy and all of those these this was the focus of the NFL is domestic violence, domestic violence. And now Dalvin Cook's got this thing. Nobody's even paying attention to it. But Ron Rivera used to have to go up there every week and they'd be like, and Greg Hardy was on the commissioner non-exempt list. And Greg would be, and Ron Rivera have to answer all these questions. Then we had a uh, an owner who had to sell the team in shape. Guess what? Ron Rivera had to go out there take all these questions then he goes to washington now he's got to be a minority representative for all of this and how to handle this team name then he gets uh, he has taken this poor guy they just bring him in to save the pr how has he been handling it and can you just give us a sense is is washington football team just such a drama show or craziness that nobody even gets stunned anymore on anything right i mean the, the first part is he's handled it like extremely well, been super professional, um, trying to be as forthcoming as he can be, except maybe the Vermilion stuff. He was a little bit more cagey, but he's been, you know, he's been trying to be that uh, public accountability. And he, he's, he's the guy here. I mean, he has even more power in Washington than he did in Carolina because he pretty much is the GM. I mean, they hired a general manager in, Martin Mayhew and they brought in Marty Herney, but that those guys report to Rivera and Rivera has final say over football matters, not including Dan Snyder, who has the ultimate final say, but you know, he is that public face of the franchise. And so, you know, Washington kind of did him a solid by hiring a guy named Jason Wright. He handles the business side of the operation. So when things go wrong, Wright is more of the one who gets the blame on, I don't know if you guys are following the Sean Taylor mess from a few weeks ago with his Jersey retirement, but uh, yeah. his family didn't know about it. Another, I'm telling you, this is just like, I mean, it almost, how do you even keep up mm-hmm. with the missteps that are the Washington football organization? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's always something. And that's kind of the thing I think Rivera is starting to realize is that, holy cow, there, there is always something because, you know, you're wondering why did the 
the Vermilion story not get so much play? Why did this die out? Well, if you look at what happened the following week, it was John Gruden and the emails and the Congress <laughs> investigation. So honestly, that that's honestly why is Congress being involved in the NFL and the Washington football team that took, you know, that dominated headlines. And that's why Vermillion got pushed to the side. It's because there's always something with the team. Yeah. Uh, do you give out score predictions? Or uh, it, it, what, yeah, uh, what, what are you thinking about this matchup? Panther fans were pretty high on our chances against the Washington football team. Yeah. And not to take you guys for granted, I mean, no. you just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, that's a, a big notch in your belt. Yeah. What, what do you think is going to happen uh, this Sunday against the Carolina Panthers? Well, I'll, Stadium? I'll preface this by saying I was – I've been completely wrong about this year so far. I thought they were going to win like 10 games and they turned out to be <laughs> not that. So that caveat aside is, you know, I kind of think Washington is going to win. I mean, the last time we've seen Cam Newton kind of play in New England, he was not nearly the same quarterback. Um, we'll see. But, you know, Carolina's defense is really good. So it wouldn't really surprise me if Washington was shut down. But. Um, I, I just kind of have a feeling about this one. Because even last year, that game was, you know, Teddy Bridgewater carved into them, but then Heineke came in. Like, the reason Washington lost that game was because Haskins was absolutely terrible. <laughs> and so, you know, a quarterback situation being improved here. I know the Panthers yeah. has been improved since then as well. But yeah. I think it'll be pretty close. What is uh, – just uh, how have the rookies been playing this year? Um, It's a bit of a mixed bag. Their first-round pick. Not the, the ideal production you would want from the 19th overall pick, but he's starting to come along. Sam Cosme, their second-round pick, has been awesome. Benjamin St. Juice, their third-round cornerback, is a solid starter. He, he's fine. You know, not the best, not great, but he's starting to come in the position. Um, besides that, after that, it's really been, you know, kind of a mixed bag of John Bates is a backup tight end. He was their fourth-round pick. Um Fifth round, I think they traded that away. Oh, they traded it to Carolina because of Kyle Allen, and so that's right. Do you think the general sense? What do you what do you think that Washington football fans see the team trending in the right direction, stuck in a rut, or yeah. uh, they don't even care? No, it's probably more stuck in a rut, but also trending in the like it's there was a lot of optimism around the area um, after last season. You know, making the playoffs will do that, but. I think they've realized that until Washington gets a quarterback, they're pretty much all going to be in uh, no man's land. Because that's that's been the problem with the franchise, and so you know they they really need that answer there. Yeah, Matthew. My final question to you tonight, man. Thanks so much for your time. What is going to be the future name of the Washington Football Team? You know, we've uh, we, we talked to a Washington YouTuber the other day and he seems to think that the most popular one is the red wolves uh but a lot of names have been thrown around mold over what do you think it will be and then what is your personal favorite choice yeah i'll say i think the red wolves is definitely the most popular name among the fan base cornerback like a former cornerback fred smooth if you I know who that guy is. He really. Oh, oh we know because uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Steve Smith. Uh, I think wasn't that the dude that Steve Smith ruined his career, where he did the rowboat on him. Sure. I think that was that guy. Oh, uh, anyway, he uh, he's been really banging the drum for Red Wolves, and it's catchy and it's fun. But you know, I think they're gonna go with something a little bit safer, maybe like Commanders. I don't hate that, but it doesn't really you know, have anything that kind of plays into the military theme that Rivera really likes. And also the area is, you know, Washington is a very heavy military family sort of thing with Virginia and Maryland yeah. there. But true, true. Um, yeah, I kind of think commanders maybe, but who knows that that's not me like reporting that or hearing anything about it. it just those have been like, there were like eight names kind of mentioned that were maybe finalists, maybe weren't depending on your interpretation and, that was one of them. And so that, that seems like something kind of safe to, to go with. And I think they're going to go with the safe option because they don't want to offend or botch it one way or another. All right. My final question is a two-parter and it's just like a, it's a 
reverse question on the like mirror image question. Sure. What does Washington need to do to win against Carolina? And what does Carolina need to do to beat Washington? Yeah, you know, I really think Washington just controlling that time of possession, it really worked so well for them last week, kind of keeping them off, keeping Tampa Bay off the field, um, having their defense play as kind of one like they did last week, just really kind of continuing to make those positive strides that they showed in the Buccaneers game because Washington hasn't been able to handle success well this year really at all. I mean, going even coming into the year, coming off that playoff season, they, they really haven't carried over that momentum. As for Carolina, you know, there are opportunities here to exploit Washington's defense, hit on those big plays. Um, you know, they've been really burned by uh, running quarterbacks, and I think Cam Newton is way, like, much better of a quarterback to describe him as a runner. But if he can use his legs at all and, and extend plays and, you know, run down the field um, or even in the red zone, you know, I think they're going to have a lot of chances there. And using Christian McCaffrey to burn those linebackers, they have a lot of pieces that can – uh, exploit Washington's defense. So, you know, I, I think that's the way they would do it. All right. Fanta- fantastic stuff. Thank you, Matthew Paris. Tell them how they can find your work um, uh, and find you on social media. Yeah, you can find my work at the Washington Times, uh, WashingtonTimes.com slash sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Wonderful name, wonderful awesome. city. Thanks for your time, man. Uh, good luck. I would say good luck to you. First, you're a journalist, so I guess you don't really get root as much as we do. And I usually just say good luck, except for this week. <laughs> hey, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thank you Thanks, very Matthew. much. All right, that's Matthew Paris from the Washington Times. Fantastic stuff. All right, Cody, let's uh, finish the beat check up by taking a peek at the Carolina beat. We head over to, um, I guess, what are the storylines with Carolina that are dominating the headlines? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously, we got to start with Cam Newton. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are wondering what's going to be the snap count. Uh, are we going to see a, you know, predominantly Cam Newton-led offense with Cam getting a majority of the snaps? Uh, if so, how many will PJ get? Uh, and Matt Rule made it a point. Who, by the way, if you get some time, listen to Matt Rule's press conference from today. It was my favorite press conference that Matt Rule has ever given as a Carolina Panther. It was really good. He actually dropped some deep insight. Um, but you know, he alluded to the fact that what Cam Newton is doing, many other quarterbacks haven't been asked to do. And it's not so much that they're trying to get Cam Newton up to speed with the playbook as much as they are with the game plan. Getting him involved in what they want to do and how they want to attack and getting him involved in those scenarios rather than just him trying to learn all the playbook. Um, So I think that does kind of open the door a little bit for P.J. Walker to get some snaps here and there, which I'm not opposed to, man, as long as Cam Newton still has his opportunity to throw the football. I hope that we're still going to be trying to be aggressive a little bit with Cam Newton and uh, maybe let PJ come in situation. I uh, didn't, I don't like that answer by rule where he's like, uh, Oh, not many people have done this before. I feel like he's so buried in his studies, like or in his work that he hasn't like picked his head up and looked around the world for the last 20 years. There's been tons of examples of quarterbacks having to come in mid-season and take over a team. Hell, really? the pan- you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, here's oh. the thing is, is that generally you don't think it's going to make the team better, right? I mean, I mean, we're talking about this. As Vinny Testaverde came in here, he was sitting and eating potato chips on his couch, and he was 44 years old or something like that, and had to become our starting quarterback. Joe Flacco was starting for the Jets this week is that you have um, quarterbacks that have to come in and learn, learn the playbook overnight. You've seen this in the past. The problem is that the thing that's different about this example is that um, it's usually not an upgrade when that happens. 
right, is that this one is this, is all of a sudden that quarterback that's having to take over a sinking ship in a way because he's a backup nobody having to try to be the answer or fill in till the guy can get healthy again. In this case, you're bringing in a guy that you think is going to make your team significantly better, push the team to the next phase, and then maybe even be your quarterback next year. That's the weird part about it. The learning the playbook is not weird. The weird part is is that Cam Newton makes the team better. I mean, I think, you know, being someone that is expected to jump in and elevate the football team around him instantly, I don't know how many times it's been done on the level that Cam Newton is right. doing. The, the elevating part that, is the different part, yeah. But right, but I mean, even, even quarterbacks that come in, I mean, you mentioned Joe Flacco, he'd been with the team the whole time. He might not have ever intended to start, but he has at least been with the team. Cam Newton was sitting on the sofa, and now he is, you know, preparing to be the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. It is a big jump, and it is a lot to do. And I even do agree with the mindset of get Cam up to speed on what the game plan and plan of attack is this week. That way, going forward, Joe Brady can just build a specialized playbook for Cam Newton and how to get him involved in the best ways possible. So I'm into it. And overall, again, check out, for everyone listening, check out Matt Rule's press conference today. Uh, It it was really one of his better press conferences that I've ever heard him give. If you pop over to the beat, the athletic, we've had uh, Joe Person on the beat check with us before. There's a story up titled Panthers. Michael Jordan has bounced back after giving up the hit that injured Joe Burrow. Michael Jordan um, like Matt Rule has been, he likes to single out these guys and cheer rah rah them in those press conferences. Today's press conference was ch- Matt Rule cheered Dante Jackson like crazy. He also cheered Cam, saying he is the brand. He has said that about Michael Jordan in the past. And we're not talking about the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, we're talking about Michael Jordan, who used to play. For the Cincinnati Bengals, who was the guy that was in on the play and Joe Burrow ruined his knee last year. I'm interested in this story right away because this is the opening spot of it here. Panthers offensive lineman Michael Jordan has a tattoo of a tiger that sprawls over most of his upper left arm. Took six hours to do. Um, I've been in that chair for five hours straight so i know you're you're feeling or close to it but he says this is quote michael jordan i'm very fond of tigers i felt that everything the tiger represented kind of represented me just always having a conqueror's attitude and preserving through persevering through everything i'm a michael jordan fan right away bro because i love tigers they're the true king of the jungle homie look is they even got written up here, true king. They're the true king of the jungle. Michael Jordan, a little resurgence story. A little Joe person giving a little press. Yeah, man. Love tigers. I got a panther and my tiger on, on my wall behind me. Love me some big caps. By the way, the unrelated tiger king too just dropped. So I'm interested to see what kind of. Is it going to be worth watching? I, I don't know. I'm going to watch it. But, um, yeah, we'll see. That's always been my favorite animal, too. Uh, it's the best animal, you know, is that uh, they are the true king of the jungle. And you know what? Is that if if we didn't both love them, we would debate this on debate my take. How, how do you say I don't like tigers? First of all, what they ever do to you? They maul your mama. He's a Gamecock fan. He's just being uh, a salty. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, they maul their mom. Um, yeah, man. I like to By do the this. By the way, his is, mascot is a chicken. I'm just saying. Sorry, Justin. Or a giant dick. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Let's keep going through with the beat. Actually, you know what? Might as well let y'all in on this. Let's just pop around the internet together, folks. Let's see what's going on as Cat Scratch Reader right now. Panthers are down three and a half point favorites <laughs> over to Washington, Washington football team. Uh, let's talk about the spread a little bit. I was uh, went on DraftKings show with Gary Vanderchuk yesterday. Uh, I hope they don't 
get rid of the show because his internet connection stunk. How about that? How does a multimillionaire have terrible internet? Yeah, it makes no sense. He was in a hotel, but still, like, it's just like, come on. Um, but uh, since it was DraftKings, they sent me some information over, like, hey, here's some bet props you might want to think about talking about. This was interesting is uh, the over-under on this game is 43. Uh-huh. Um, so three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think, the, uh, look, first, 43 points in an NFL game is a low-scoring game, right? I mean, uh, think about it. That, that's a 23-20 game. And I think that is kind of a low scoring game. It's right. The the over unders last year were like in the fifties for a lot of, of the season. So they're kind of projecting a defensive struggle, not overly. I I don't know if um I want to mess with the over under Cody because I think the Panthers win here 27 13. And I don't even like that number because that means that Joey Sly kicked two field goals i actually think this is i think the panthers win 27 13 joey sly misses an extra point and it should have been 14 and that is the reason that the over under is not covered because you got if he kicks he's going to miss the extra point it's going to be the under or a push at this point i think um, that the uh, the panthers win but i ain't messing with the over here because i don't think any team is super capable of putting up a ton of points See, it's one of those things. I, I disagree, Tony. I disagree. I think that, look, if you look at the ingredients of what we are on offense and why I was say, saying earlier this year that this team is going to be boom or bust, it's because we have all the components to be able to boom. I mean, when you look at Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, I mean, listen, I'm not expecting it to look brilliant, but, man, I'm also – I feel like this is one of those games where I would not be surprised to see the first full and complete Carolina Panthers offense that we've seen all year. I mean, I really wouldn't. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the over hit on this game. Um, It really wouldn't. And then if you look at how our defense You think that Washington's going to be able to score on us, though? I don't think so. I don't don't think think they are. I don't think that I don't think their defense um, is going to be able to do enough, but I also think that our defense, yeah, probably is going to beat them down a little bit. But I mean, that's I mean that's just the total number of points scored uh, in general, right? So yeah, I mean, so Panthers I mean, is that the Panthers day, if they score if the Panthers scored thirty and the Washington football team scored ten, you still the under. Is still the answer. I don't think I was trying to make a justification for the over in my head, Cody. And what I can't do is get past. I don't think that the Panthers defense gives up a lot of points here. I just don't think that they're going to let, I think they're going to create turnovers against Taylor Heineke versus letting the Washington. I just don't see Washington putting up 20. 23 like i mean that would be the i think that the most if they have a good game is 17 points and i just yeah. think i don't mean I, even if if carolina has a good day at 24 27 you're still right at that number so yeah. if you want the over here it really means that washington's gonna score too that's what you think and I don't think that. That's so like I don't want to mess with a. I think it's easier. I to think bet. Carolina's going to put enough points for both, but not in the forties. Come on. Um, I, I mean, think it's safer to take the. I think it's just safer to take Carolina winning by more than a field goal. That's what I would take. Like if I was betting that. Here was another one that they put up. Was a uh, another one is. Do you think that um, it was the two, these two players? combined touchdowns all right and it could be rushing and passing and be any they just touchdowns only cam newton and taylor heineke and the number was four and a half four and a half yeah more than- I, I think this is it so is that like if if uh cam newton scores three and heineke scores two you win the bet if heineke scores three touchdowns and 
Cam Newton. It doesn't matter how they score him, but touchdowns. Yeah, I would, yeah and I, would, I don't, I don't like this one, man. I think dude, this I, is a sucker bet. I, like I think this you, Christian man. McCaffrey is going to get two of those touch. You're going to bet this, and you're going to be all of a sudden. This is what's going to happen: is they're going to get a goal line, and Cam Newton's going to hand it off to Christian McCaffrey, and they're going to get. He's going to get a touchdown, or Cam Newton gets one rushing and one passing, and Heineke gets one throwing, and the running backs do the rest. I would not mess with this one. It's right on the money. In fact, I might even say I'm saying the under on that. Cam can get three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. Oh wow! Yeah, I that's what you're gonna need. You are not gonna piss in my cornflakes. All right, when when you see this offensive, I'm not pissing on. I'm trying to talk about it from a real gambler's perspective. Is right. bro, this if this I'm bad, 23? Me if this is a 23-17 game. <laughs> Mm. All right, all right. Uh, here's another story up on Cat Scratch Reader: John Miller and Daryl Johnson. I don't know who Daryl Johnson is. So, um, designated to return from injured reserve. I don't know if this story even really matters at this point to me. Nope. Because right now, I feel like our offensive line has been forced into not forced into a position, but you know how you you've mentioned earlier with Ron Rivera not wanting to start these younger players but being forced to it. Now we're we're putting in Brady Christensen. We're putting in Michael Jordan. We're putting in these guys, and it's working out better. I don't think going back to John Miller helps. No, I mean, I think that we found a rhythm. We found a good little starting lineup on offensive line. Michael Jordan is a part of it. Look, dude, I know people are going to make fun of me at this point, but I still want to see uh, Deontay Brown blast. He's not even he's opportunity hurt. at some point in time. No, he's back. He's back for my hour. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, I think our right guard, even still, the right guard position has been one of the weakest on our football team. So, yeah, put him next to Taylor Moten. I, I think he'll be just fine. Man, imagine giving Cam Newton a badass pocket to throw from with these weapons. Dude, our offense might be nightmare fuel, Tony Dunn. That's what I'm saying. If all these things hit at the right time, you have all of the ingredients for a truly dynamic offense that we've all been craving forever. So hopefully it falls falls together, man. Let's talk about uh, this kicker. Zane Gonzalez, uh, who is now the, um, I guess he's been the NFC or special teams player of the week twice now. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Think about this. Uh, guess who's coming home? Or who's coming home and nobody cares. Guess who's kicking for the Washington football team this week? <laughs> Joey Sly. You don't know that? Joey Sly? Joey Sly is the kicker for the Washington football team. Dude, that shows you how utterly unenthused I am about anything Joey Sly. Dude, he will make... Listen, I, I don't want to jinx it, but dude, Joey Sly, uh, I don't I don't fear him, man. I really don't. I, I think That's what I'm saying. Is Zane Gonzalez is now the dude in Carolina. Wow, they got stuck with Joey Sly trying to find this. I wanted you to see Zane Gonzalez's kicking is I mentioned this on the show and I can't see any of the, I wish I had one of them in a Carolina Jersey, but they're all when he was with Arizona on Twitter, but look at, he kicks like without a twist to him. You see how he just, he's straight? Like he doesn't do that uh, pirouette side stance or whatever. He's still got a little, a little bit of a. It's like he walks straight up to it. It looks like this and he just just looks at it straight up. All right. um, Bouncing around. When you look at uh, the beat, what websites do you check? I'll Google them right here. You want to go to Cat Crave real quick? Do we have to? 
Um, well, I mean, yeah, um, let's talk about the one that I sent into the um, into our chat. This um, Stefan Gilmore. All right. Uh, post. In fact, I can pull this up. Let me see. Let's share uh, this right here. Yeah. I can pull this up too. All right, you pull it up. All right, so the story is this. It's about a report. Of, um, and it's really thinking about uh, what is next for Stefan Gilmore, right? Is um, in a one in the final year of his contract, coming home to a kind of Carolina area. And we've heard the story that he lives down the street from uh, Scott Fitter and all of this. But at the end of the year, he is a free agent. Tell us about this story and why it is of interest to you, Cody. Well, yeah, spotrack.com uh, just released Stefan Gilmore's market value, uh, and it would be a two-year contract, $28.3 million, $14.1 million per year. That's a salary that's comparable to Darius Slay, Joe Hayden, Kyle Fuller, and Logan Ryan. And, Tony, I think that it's a potential possibility that Stefan could potentially even be cheaper than that if he's willing to take a hometown discount to stay on a team like this that has a chance to win, that has a bunch of really good young defensive players. Tony, if it's anywhere near this number, I would do it in a heartbeat. To have Stefan Gilmore on this team being a mentor leadership role to J.C. Horn and C.J. Henderson, I think that would be incredible. Just what the doctor ordered. He has been shut down for us thus far. People already know not to throw Stefan Gilmore's way. Tony, I would I would love this. I think this would be a fantastic deal for us. Um, I'm all for it. I um, We recorded a uh, segment that I'm going to be posting later on tonight of Debate My Take. And now that I'm thinking back, I wish I would have taken the opposite stance of what I did. I told you, man. I told Here's you. the thing is, um, and and I am a big fan of keeping Dante too, but uh, I want to know this: is can someone, maybe the chat will know this? Has there ever been a defense that had two top five man corners on the team together? So we talk about this: is having a player like Stefan Gilmore, what it does for a defensive coordinator, right? Their ability to shut down half of the field. But we really think that J.C. Horn is like a 24-year-old version of Stefan Gilmore. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, kind of like that's what you kind of think of is like that elite-level type player, this and that. Um, imagine having two of them on the field at the same time. What does it mean to shut down two halves of the field? That's the whole field. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> that's man. The whole field. <laughs> I like, know. That's kind of us. I want to know: Has there ever been a team that's had two top five man corners on the same roster? This is like putting, um, and here, and this is why I like this. Is you know what? Is I, I don't miss me with this hometown discount stuff. It ain't happening. Sorry. I don't care. My man ain't taking no less money. Nobody takes less money. You idiot if you take no less money. You a fool if you take less money. Sorry. You're just a dummy. Uh, because even if it's going to a situation where you think you're going to win a chip, they most likely aren't going to win the chip. Imagine taking less money and joining the super squad of the Rams, and then you end up sucking and not making the playoffs. Take the money, bitches. Take so you money. would go to say Jacksonville for twenty five million over the Chiefs for nineteen million? Yes, hell yeah! You know, really right. six million bucks—that's like a twenty percent, twenty five percent difference, maybe even more. Yeah. What if you've already played ten years and made and made good money? No, uh, bring this back up now. Bring that back up real quick. This is what I want to show you is this. This is why he ain't going to get no hometown discount. It's because this dude is better than every person on that list. Look at that list. Slay, Hayden, Fuller, Ryan. Who's the best one on the list? Slay, and that's because he played the Panthers and Sam Darnold. 
Yeah, but again, you're talking about a two-year deal. You're not talking about long-term. It's just... What I'm saying is this. That's are all older players. Darius Slay is a veteran. Look, I'm telling you this. is Gilmore is better than every person on this list. He ain't taking less money than them fools. He shouldn't. I don't know, man. To stay home, 14 million is pretty damn cushy, man. And have your job right down the street. It's right at home for you. I don't know. I think you might. But I think that's All right, it. people in the chat, we appreciate y'all's support. Look, we hit 3,000 subscribers today. A big deal uh, for us. And I want us to hit yes. 10,000 subscribers by tomorrow. So smash the thumbs up button. <laughs> subscribe to the show. Tell us what are the websites, what are the news outlets that you go to to check the beat. Let's jump on over to... We're at, I'm on Cat Crave right now, and the top stories are this. Let's see. I am not. How is uh, Dean Jones doing? I'm putting a lot of work in there. Good God. This guy's putting out stories. How is the Carolina Panthers? This is what his story is. It says, how is the Carolina Panthers offensive line? Has it turned a corner? Cody, do we, are we getting too excited about this offensive line after one performance against a, a team that didn't have an offense? Um, but we did see some of the young guys and Brady Christian, Brady Christensen come in. Tell us, has this offensive line, is it getting better now? It is getting better, but it does still worry me. I mean, listen, kind of like we said at the start of this year, if, if this entire thing went south, it was going to be because the offensive line wouldn't be able to live up to what we were trying to do. And I think that kind of happened earlier this year I think that right now we're finally starting to get into a rhythm where guys know the kind of mentality that we want you mentioned it earlier that Michael Jordan mentality that Matt Rule likes so much you know getting our young guys involved I maintain is a very important part going forward just to make sure that they get their reps and that they're playing meaningful football Especially right now when you're playing the Washington football team and the Dolphins soon. You know, a lot of their premier pass rushers are either hurt or they're just lacking talent from the pass rush position. I would say this is a perfect time to get those guys more time, more snaps. Guys like Brady Christensen, Deontay Brown. And frankly, we're still doing this experiment with Pat Elflin at at center. And Tony, I think that if we continue to have a bunch of really good offensive line performances going forward with Elflin at center, I think we kind of have to pinpoint that as one of the major reasons why. And maybe that should have been where Elflin needed to be the entire time. Well, you know, um, I don't know if I'd say where he should have been the entire time, right? Because you had a starting center in Matt Paradis that you kind of believed in, and that was better pedigree. But do you remember on Debate My Take a couple of weeks ago, we were asking if Matt, um, if uh, Pat Eflon should be put on IR for the season or ultimately cut, right, like ushered away because they weren't making him active. And my argument was this, is having Eflon there as a body uh, alone, even though it's su- he sucked, with a team that was going down like, I mean, the guards were going down like flies, just having him around. But I did mention in there that the position versatility is what Matt Rule has referenced over and over, and that if Matt Paradis were to go down, maybe I am the reason he got injured. I might be the reason. Sorry. Sorry, Matt Paradis, because I said if you go down, knock on wood, even though I didn't think he was that good, his F-line could come in and take snaps. Um. I don't think Teclan, uh, you know, it's interesting because Tecklenburg is related to Matt Rule from Baylor and all of this. But F-Line, way better at center than he is at guard. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And, and if that's where he belongs, let's leave him there, man. Let's leave him there. Let's focus on these guard positions. Give Brady Christensen a chance to play left tackle, which I think he'll be good at once given enough time. And Cam Newton being the mobile quarterback that he is. Oh, I'm just excited, Tony Dunn. I'm excited, man. People in the chat room uh, from time to time will continue to put, I can't believe it's real. 
I can't believe it's real. And Tony, we've been in this gray area. You know, I know you're a Catholic. This purgatory of quarterback carousel that we've known for the past two years, it's really weighed heavy on my soul, man. So now Cam Newton is back. I'm happy. Listen, I'm trying uh I I'm trying to not be too optimistic, but my logical mind foresees a scenario where the Panthers offense explodes in a good way, puts up a lot of points. I'm hopeful, man, but the team has to go out there and prove it. Uh, Matt Rule today in his press conference spoke a lot about accountability and winning football games and setting the standard and building the culture of winning football games. And everyone on this team is on the same page. Everyone from Matt Rule to Scott Fitterer to Cam Newton, everyone is on the same page at the right time. This team believes in itself. It has an energy that it hasn't had in a long time. Tony, I really feel like uh, our our hopes are looking up, man. Our trajectory is looking up. We just have to believe it, man. We just have to believe it. We have hit 3,000 subscribers, I would say. Wow. Cam Wow. Oh, shit. Oh, by the way, is I made these Cam Wows back in 2014, bro, with this podcast, huh? Top notch, bro. You can you might, not be able still... to, you might not be able to see it. Mine's over my right shoulder right there. Yeah. Yeah. Right oh, there, I yeah. do see it. Uh yeah. the cam wow is cooler than the sham wow. And you can have one by going to CarolinaCatChronicles.com and hitting the shop button. This this is a limited edition item. There is only so many. There might only be like 30 or 40 of these left in in all of the world. Uh, you can also go to carolinacatchronicles.com and check out the I Stand With Cam t-shirt. I got the information. Hopefully, it's going to be in the show. I think I put it in the show notes here. But go to carolinacatchronicles.com. Just hit the shop tab. I've got a few more, another limited edition. I ordered 10 or 12 more shirts this week. So if you want one, you can message me, DM me. Hit me up on uh, uh, Gmail, carolinacatchronicles.com, at Gmail, excuse me. Um, just message me directly, and I'll save one, and we can, we can work something out. And I can order more if you guys want them. Um, support the podcast by hitting the thumbs up, subscribe, and hitting the bell. Right? It's a big deal. We've been growing a lot. But uh, this is a community, Cody. In fact, we have become best brothers. We've become brothers. Oh, yeah. Through a commonality, from the, man, from the commonality, or this brings us together. Talking Carolina Panthers football, we have something that we share that we have become blood brothers over, and that is the love for the That's Carolina right. Panthers and the hate for the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. Um, those oh, two yeah. things, like we are, um, we are bonded together for life. Cody, a lot of good work being done, and you've been a big part of it. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. How can they find you on social media and going forward this week on the C3 Panthers podcast? Yeah, man. Find me on Twitter. You see it right there, but right by me, at Cody Lack, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. Uh, a brand new mock draft at drafttech.com uh, is up right now. I write for the Carolina Panthers. And the Houston Texans as well, but you know, I obviously know more about the Panthers. And uh and yeah, this Friday at 7 p.m., you can join the show on the Friday free-for-all. I'll be posting the link to the stream yard in the description box. So people, if you want to come in and tell me what you think about the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton's return, should PJ Walker get some snaps. Is Stephon Gilmore the guy to sign, or is it Dante Jackson? You let us know on the Friday free-for-all every Friday at 7 p.m. I'm on Twitter, at cat underscore chronicles. You can check us out Tuesday nights, 9 p.m., the longest-running Panthers podcast on the Internet. That means that these fools have not stopped talking about the Carolina Panthers on a Tuesday night for... This is our ninth year, dude. This is a big deal. You know what I mean? Like nine times 52, it's a big, big deal. We keep it coming, and it's only because we're developing the community. You can be a part of it. 252-228-5098. 
you they talk about changing the culture. I gotta say this: if there's one week that that Bank of America is gonna be full of black and blue, this might they might they're gonna run those burgundy jerseys out. Finally, finally, it took Cam Newton Let's to run them it. burgundy jerseys out. All right, okay. that's the C3 beat check. Thank you to Matt Paris from the Washington Times. We've got debate my take coming out. We've got a lot of content. All we ask for you is to be a part of the conversation. Share the show with a friend uh, to hit the thumbs up button. And that's what we do. We just be, we be buds. We on the car. We in the car on the way to the game. We rapping about the game. We want you to jump in. We'll pick you up. Put your thumbs up. Thumbs up on the side of the road. We'll pick you up, homie. Until then, we're out of here. Cody, take us out of this mess. Keep pounding. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.